you all. And especially, as it's been said already, for those who are um, visiting us today. And um, this Sunday, um, probably more than any Sunday in the year, is difficult to know what do you do a talk about. You know, is it the Sunday where you do the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, or is this an extension of Christmas talk? And in some ways, how you think about that depends on how you think about Christmas, how you think about the Christmas calendar. So for some of you here, you'll be Advent sort of people. You'll be 1st to 25th of December, job done, Christmas done. For some of you here, you'll be more 12 days of Christmas, 25th of December through to 6th of January. Some of you like to combine 1st of December to 6th of January. But some of you might like what I would call the Christmas 24 model. Now, for those of the uninitiated here um, who don't know about the lesser-known digital TV channel Movies 24, um, it's a channel where you can watch back-to-back made-for-TV movies throughout the year. But October the 19th is a very significant date in the Movies 24 calendar because it's the date when Movies 24 becomes Christmas 24. Two months of 24 hours of back-to-back, made-for-TV Christmas movies. I love it. And and the reality is, on on that channel, you can find such greats as A Blue Ridge Mountain Christmas, Christmas on Honeysuckle Lane, or one which I'm yet to watch, The Magical Christmas Shoes. And for those of you who are not familiar with the premise of a Christmas 24 movie, the general plot line, and they're all exactly the same, is that Lily or Jim, or whoever you might want to call it, put yourself in there if you like. That's the main character. And they've left their hometown several years before. They've gone off to the big city. They've tried to make their fortune or have their dreams come true. But it's, and, and they've made a success of themselves often. But there's something missing, something not quite right. And an event unfolds, which means that they have to return to their hometown for Christmas. And as they return to their hometown, they rediscover the meaning of Christmas, of community, of family, of life itself. And there's even a bit of romance thrown in generally as well. It's pure schmaltz. And I'm trusting that this is a safe place to share that I do enjoy settling down to a Christmas 24 movie with a cup of tea, a slice of Battenberg or two, and sometimes with my wife, sometimes on my own. And um, and I'll sit there, and my invariably what will happen is my children will walk into the front room, and they'll see the Christmas 24 logo in the corner, and they'll say, what are you doing, Dad, again? And um, why do you want to watch something that is so predictable? And my answer to them, as it would be to you, is that's the whole point. I've got enough unpredictability going on in my life. And Christmas 24 provides, in a 90-minute package, minus breaks, a gentle haven of predictability in my life. And please don't try and take that away from me. And this morning, as we find ourselves coming towards the end of 2019 and we look to 2020, 
and we come to the end of the Christmas season, I want to ask us a question. How are we engaging with the unpredictability of life? And the unpredictability of life is something that many of us will have engaged with this year. It's something that I've reflected a lot on recently. And if I was to describe the last 12 months of my life, my family's life and those close to me, it would probably be unpredictable, not knowing what is coming next. And um, those close to, to me over the last year have encountered many situations, challenges with health and financial uncertainty and loss and bereavement. And you may be here this morning, and as you look back on 2019, it's tinged or it's heavily laced with sadness or confusion or even anger as you look ahead to 2020. And as you look to 2020, it's even with trepidation or anxiety. And if that's you, whether you consider yourself this morning to be a person of faith or not, I would just invite you, as we're going to look at some words from the Bible in a minute, I believe that whether you're a person of faith this morning or not, these words have something to say to us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some verses from the book, a book called Romans. And it's a letter that was written by a man called Paul. He was one of the early church leaders. And he wrote to the, uh, the Roman church, the church in Rome. And he was talking specifically at this point in the letter about hardship and about going through hardship. So Romans 8, starting verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul was utterly convinced of this one thing, that in the midst of challenge, in the midst of difficulty, there was one thing that was constant, that was unchanging, that was ever-present. There was one thing that was his true haven of predictability, and that was the love of Christ. So as you reflect on the unpredictability of life this morning, what is it that you are convinced of? What is it that for you is entirely predictable? What are you convinced of? As you look at the lives of those around you, as you look at your own circumstances, what are you convinced of? What are you sure of? In other words, sitting here right now, are you able to say like Paul that you are convinced that, that neither death nor life, neither, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God 
Are you convinced of that today? And in answering that, I'm not asking a trick question this morning. I'm not trying to cajole you into saying, yes, John, I'm convinced. The reality for some of us here, what you bring into this room this morning is that you are not convinced of that. And that's the reality. But I believe with all my heart that God wants to convince each of us of his love. Of the depth of his love. That there is not one circumstance that you will face in the coming 12 months. Not one that will be able to separate you from the love of God. You know, 16 days ago, many of us went to our local community centre or school and, we, and we, we put a cross in a box on a piece of paper. And, um, and that determined the outcome of the election. And... The reality for some of us as we went into that little booth with our pencil is we were utterly convinced of who we were voting for. We looked at it, we thought, that is the party that I want to vote for, whichever one it was. For other of us, we will have gone in and will have been a bit more reticent about it. We'll have thought, well, actually, I'm not particularly convinced by any of them. And the reality is, is the level of, of how you are convinced of what you were putting that cross in the box for, will have deeply impacted how you were then impacted by the outcome of the election the next day, whether that for you was felt good or bad. Because the thing is that when we're convinced of something, we put our trust in it. We put our trust in that thing. And um, so the issue isn't just whether you're convinced by the love of God, is whether you trust in it. Do you trust in its truth? Because if you and I don't trust in its truth, we will place our trust somewhere. We may place our trust in our own abilities to overcome. We may place our trust in our hard work to get things done. We may place our trust maybe in a vague sense that it will work out all right in the end. Or maybe that as long as I've got the right people around me in my life, then things will be all right. And um, the reality is, there's nothing wrong with having an understanding of our own ability. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with a commitment to hard work. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong having a genu genuinely optimistic spirit. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have a trustworthy set of people around us. But I want to suggest that none of them are an ultimate thing. None of them are a thing that, that can become the absolute bedrock of our lives when challenges come. The very basis on which we live. And what I want to suggest today is that the thing that we can become the bedrock of our lives is the love of God. And as I look around this room today, as I think of those who are here and think of those who are not with us today, I can think of person after person, family after family in this community who in the last 12 months have gone through long-term health conditions, critical illness, bereavement, anxiety and depression, job loss and insecurity, a sense of unfairness with the circumstances of life, some people impacted by the effects of addiction and some people dealing with financial hardship. And time after time this year, 
I've been impacted, as people have said to me, words to the effect of, I can't believe the, how, how God loves me so much. I can't believe, I can't understand how kind God has been to me. And I'm talking about some situations that are horrendous situations. But in the midst of them, these people, members of this community, have experienced the love of God. Because Paul is saying there is no circumstance that can separate us from the love of God. No circumstance. You know, this, this morning is not an exercise in theological truth. It's an invitation for you and me to bring together our real circumstances in all their reality and bring them together to meet with the love of God. That's what this is about. So I'm not just asking this morning, what are you, what are you convinced by? I am asking, what, what are your circumstances? What do you bring this morning in the realities of life? And you might understandably assume that today's talk is is for those for whom 2019 was, was particularly a difficult year. And in one sense, that's absolutely correct. My heart primarily this morning goes out to those for whom 2019 has brought much pain. Whether because of the loss of a loved one, a broken relationship, financial hardship or worry, or many of the circumstances that I've, that I've just described earlier. It may be that you're here and you're thinking, actually, I'm not sure if I can cope with one more piece of bad news this year. It might be as you look to 2020, you, you don't even want to look ahead because of what's come behind. And for you, my prayer this morning is that you will have an ever-deepening conviction that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. That is my prayer this morning. But it may be that as you're sat here this morning, life's been good. The last 12 months has been a great year. Circumstances have gone well. You've had a time of circumstantial blessing. And we stand here today and we celebrate that as much as we mourn the loss that happens in life. But I think that the reality is, is that whether, whether you consider 2019 to have been a good year or a bad year in circumstances, I think God's question to us may well be exactly the same. Where do I choose to dwell? What do I choose to be determined by? Am I primarily defined by my circumstances? Or another way of looking at it is, if I consider my, myself, my life as a journey, a walk through ever-changing terrain, what is it that maintains me and feeds me and sustains me? In the summer, uh, my family, we went to um, Cumbria for a week. And on one of the days, we went to a lake called Lake Buttermere. Some, some of you will have heard of it. And, um, and what's coming up is one of the many pictures that I took as I walked around Buttermere that day. And I'm sure, not sure how many of you have visited Buttermere, but there's a four-mile path that you can walk around. And um, 
The best way of describing the, the terrain is varied as you walk around. It's been affected by floods over the last couple of years. And so there's parts of, parts of the path and it's firm ground. And then you get to a rocky area and you go, go up and across this rocky area. And you eventually come to a boggy part. And eventually you get to a part where, where it's been flooded and you either have to walk through the water or work your way around. But the other thing as you walk around Buttermere, if you look up from the path, is you see the stunning beauty. That as you walk around, as you look at the, the light on the, on the water and the trees and the mountains around, the shades and the colours and the tones and the textures, the textures, they change as you walk around. And it's stunning. And as I've reflected on that walk around that lake that day, for me, it's spoken to me as I've thought of the beauty of, those, of, the, of that lake. It's been like my experience of the love of God in recent years. I've shared this before, but about three or four years ago, I went through a period where, a significant period of time where I experienced social anxiety. So when I was in a big setting like this, like church on a Sunday or a party or a wedding, I would become significantly anxious. And it was, it was, a, it was quite debilitating at times. And over that time, I, the, my description of that time in terms of my relationship with God was I experienced the kindness of God in the midst of it. And when I look back over the last 12 months and circumstances that our family and our friends have been through, I've seen the kindness of God in the midst of it. Sometimes it's been just in the, a verse of the Bible or something I've read in a book. Sometimes it's been an intimate moment in my prayer time or in worship. Sometimes it's even just getting to the end of the day and laying my head on the pillow. Sometimes it's been a kind word or gesture from a friend or a family member. All signs of the love of God in my life. So what circumstance do you find yourself in this morning? As you reflect on 2019, as I said, you may be reflecting on a year of wonderful circumstantial blessing. Friendships restored, the birth of a child, a new relationship, moving into a new home maybe, seeing people around you come to know Jesus. It may be you've come to faith yourself for the first time this year or return to faith. You may have started your dream job. And yet for others, you're processing loss and regret, failure, betrayal, sickness and worry. And for others, it's a combination of the two. You know, as we began, I reflected on whether this talk is a, a 2019 talk, looking back, 2020, looking forward, or is it a Christmas talk? And the reality is it's all three. This is a Christmas message. Because the love of God that I'm speaking about is not a notional love of an abstract God. It's the tangible and demonstrable love of the ever-present God whom we've celebrated over this Christmas season. And so over recent weeks in various forms, we've, we've talked about the theme of God with us, Emmanuel. And in some ways, it's difficult to fully answer the two questions that I put at the beginning, or as we've gone on. What are you convinced of? 
what are your circumstances, to reflect on those fully without asking a third question. And the third question is this, where is Christ in your life? What place does Christ have in your life? Because you and I can't fully grasp this love of God in the midst of all the circumstances we face without fully taking hold of Jesus Christ. And when I ask that question, where is your Christ in your life? I'm not asking it in a confrontational way. I'm simply asking, as you reflect on life, what place does Christ occupy in your life? Now, as I mentioned, um, in, recent week, in recent weeks, we had, um, we've concentrated on this theme of God with us. And a verse that's been repeated time and time again in that, in that process is from John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That is what we're celebrating at this time of year. But this question this morning is not primarily about what I believe. You see, I can believe in my head every doctrinal truth about Christ. And yet it may have little tangible effect or impact on my day-to-day existence. See, I can believe, as it says in the Bible, that God, that Jesus was with God at the very beginning of creation. That in seeing the mess that we made of of this world, Jesus chose to come as a vulnerable child, born in, in scandalous circumstances to a teenage mother, lived as a refugee and then went to live in a town, an unknown town of, of, of no renown. He showed us how to live the perfect life. He taught us how to live. He went to Jerusalem, he chose to go to Jerusalem in order to die on a cross. He was tried as an innocent man so that he might restore full relationship to God for you and me. He rose from the dead on the third day and he then ascended to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And he promised that one day he will come back. He will come back and he will be, we will be fully united with him. He the bridegroom and we his church, his bride. And that's the truth. That's the truth that we believe. So why is it that we can, we can give mental assent to all that and still sometimes it doesn't have the impact we hope it does in our lives? The reason I believe is that it's not just a matter of belief. It's a matter of proximity. That's why my question, my third question this morning isn't what do you believe about Christ, but where is Christ in your life? What place does he hold? Because Paul, when he wrote those words in that letter, he wasn't just talking about a God that he related to because Jesus suffered as we suffered. He was tempted as, we, as we're tempted. He relates to our pain. It wasn't just that. Paul was talking about Christ who said, I will dwell, I will come and I will dwell in you. I will make my home in you. And so as, as Paul went through the circumstances he went through, he was talking about Christ who lived in him. And it's the same Christ that we're talking about this morning, that as you leave here today, 
you can live with him, not as just a God who relates to you, but a God who can live in you. And he will accompany you through every challenge and difficulty of life in this coming year and for the rest of your life. Because what Paul got was the inseparability of Christ, the inseparability of the love of Christ. Christ lives in me. That's what I believe. I believe he's in here. I believe I carry him and I believe that he carries me. And that's what Paul was describing. He went on in a later letter letter to the Galatian church to say this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the proximity of Christ to you and me is, in, is eternal. See, this inseparability of Christ and his love is a fundamental truth. And just imagine if you and I were to enter 2020 on the basis that Christ in me is a fundamental truth. What impact might it have on my life? What impact might it have on your life? As I, dis- as I began, I described some of the unpredictability of life. And some of that unpredictability has brought pain for people this year. Some of that unpredictability of life has brought great blessing, circumstantial blessing. But the reality for every single person in this room today is that we actually leave behind a year of unpredictability and we're about to enter another year of unpredictability. But there's one thing that is entirely predictable for the coming year if we choose it. And that is the inseparability of Christ and his love. From the love of Christ. And as I look back on 2019 and I look to the coming year, I really don't know what the next year holds for me and for you. But one thing I know is in whose hands it's held. I don't know what the next year holds, but I do know in whose hands it's held. (laughs) 